Welcome to the podcast. I'm Niraj Mathrani. In these podcasts, I will coach other people leaders based on my experience. I will also have other leaders as guests on the show from whom we can learn together and become better leaders. In this episode, I coach someone who's a director of product management who's about to conduct the dreaded performance review conversations. Specifically, he's looking for guidance on how to approach some challenging topics with his direct reports. You may have faced similar situations in your past or may do so in the future. As per his request, we've kept some things anonymous to respect his privacy. Let's jump in. Just to set some context, hmm. I've had direct reports for a few years now. Uh, so I've conducted annual reviews before. Um, but my process has been largely influenced by my, my own personal reviews, my own annual reviews, excuse me, uh, conducted by my leaders and my managers. So there have been different leaders over time and they have all done annual reviews differently. Some have asked me to, um, to go over my self-assessment first, even though I've submitted my self-assessment document weeks in advance. Uh, some have started themselves first and then had a Q&A later on, or in some cases it was unidirectional, just from the manager side. Um, now that I have more direct reports than ever before, I was just curious if there is an ideal structure um, that the industry follows you know, for annual review processes or uh, there are just more effective ways of conducting an annual review. Okay, so I don't know about an ideal structure. I'm just going to share my experience. Read a lot about it and I've also tried different methods. So I'll share like what works for me. Before I talk about like the interview itself, one thing is like, what is my intention? So my intention as a manager going into this is that nothing should be a surprise. So ideally you have talked to your direct reports and you've given feedback as it comes up, especially the critical feedback. Positive feedback as a surprise is a good surprise. <laughs> That's okay. But uh, critical feedback, springing them on the spot, it throws the conversation off usually is what I've noticed because it may put them on defensive. Uh, so try to do it beforehand. Now going into the structure, what I do is it depends on the person. Sometimes I may send the full evaluation, which is their evaluation, their peer feedback anonymized with my feedback, maybe a day before. So they have time to think about it and ask questions. Or if I'm thinking this about them, they may have a counterexample because I don't necessarily understand the picture. So I give them time to think about it. It's not for them to make a case or something. Uh, it's just to have a very rich conversation. Okay. But if the day before is not possible, or if you feel there may be too much emotional reaction, uh, then I take the first 15, 20 minutes of the review uh, for them to just read the review. Uh, usually I set it up for 20 minutes, uh, sorry, one hour, the whole session. And then we can do a follow-up if needed. So take the first five to 20 minutes to think through it and do highlights, ask questions, whatever. So this is the employee's chance to digest the feedback if they haven't done it before. Uh, the next thing is to, for them to ask any questions, clarifying questions. What do you mean by this? Or what do you mean by that? And this is, I make sure as a manager that I'm prepared. So let's talk about that for a little bit. For preparation, I think about what are the high-level patterns that I see? So it could be like one person said that this person was late, but is this person consistently late? What are the patterns? With that, I try to have data supporting it, whether it be JIRA tickets or looking at peer feedback and try to have data behind it so we can talk about it. Um, so think about the high-level patterns. 
then I try to focus on what are the great things that this person is doing? And then what are the areas of improvement? And try to walk away with the performance review with at least or maximum like three action items, but ideally one or two things that the employee can do better. So this way they're not overwhelmed. So stepping back again and maybe repeating myself, it's give them a chance to digest it, make sure I have prepared beforehand as well. And in the conversation, first they get to ask questions, then I'll talk about the patterns I see of positive feedback, then the patterns I see of areas of improvement, and try to give them one or two things that they can work on for the next three, six months. That's what I try to do at a high level. And okay. ask follow-up questions so we can go into it. Yeah, I mean, one of the things you mentioned was um, constructing the constructive feedback that I got from peers. Hmm. Um, so my question would be, how do you get constructive feedback from peers? Because yeah. whenever we do 360-degree reviews, generally yeah. all, most people just have positive comments right on uh, under constructive feedback really no one posts anything unless it's a really negative feedback to begin with like if it has impacted them really really badly yeah so how do you find that constructive feedback that may not be too bad but mm. if there is an area of improvement for your employees yeah i think that's a harder question because it depends on the company culture the work culture that the company has created so are people feeling safe to give positive feedback uh, and critical feedback, especially the critical feedback. And also, what is the uh, performance review tied to? What is the intent of the performance review? It is If it's directly tied to bonus or raises, then people are going to sugarcoat it. And peers are also going to help in that process because no one wants to make anyone else look bad. But if the performance review is tied to genuinely helping the employee out, like, is that the work culture? then people will be more open on giving that constructive feedback. So that's a bigger issue that needs to be solved at the company level to start with and depends on how leaders are emulating that behavior and then how we're reinforcing that with our employees over time. For example, like if we say like, yeah, this doesn't impact you negatively. We're just looking to help you grow. But the next thing you know is they don't get a raise. They're going to be like, it doesn't match what you're saying. You guys are being hypocrites. So it has to be at the company level, it has to start, then leaders need to emulate it all the way down to our level. And then we need to emulate that as well. Even without the culture, if you really want to get constructive feedback, is you can break the mold. And you can go to individuals or even by Slack or email, tell them like, none of what you say will be used against this person or impact their raise or uh, promotion. What I really want to know is how, how to help this person grow. The other thing is how you show up as a manager and a leader more, more specifically, that's when your employee will know what your intent is. If the employee believes that you are there for their growth, then they will find peers who will give them constructive feedback because they, they will be like, I really want to grow. So I want to get my harshest critics to give me feedback. And because I trust my manager that they will use this data for good versus for evil. So that's, that's like breaking the mold. Like if the company culture is not there yet, then how can you break that mold and have, create a safe environment for your employees and for those peers to give you the constructive feedback? And that takes trust building, which takes time. That's very helpful. Because it, okay. it takes a while or it, it's a long process to break, 
company's culture, but yeah. um, things that we can do at our level make sense. That's, cool. That's very helpful. Um, on that note, um, once you get constructive feedback, how do you provide that to the employee in a, in a, in a more empathetic way? I have some examples in mind, maybe we can use those. So mm. for instance, if I've gotten feedback around a person who is not responding to emails or Slack on time, on a time in a timely manner. They, they respond, but not in a timely manner. Or in another case, let's say if they are, everything that they want to communicate, they set up a meeting for it rather than just slacking or emailing. So it just kind of creates um, burden for others to, to now really have to join those meetings to be able to get information out of them. Mm -hmm. So how would you now communicate this in a <laughs> constructive way? That's a good question. So I actually have a template for this on my channel. I'm going to plug it. Uh, how to give critical feedback. But basically, I would say uh, I've noticed that you are not responding to Slack or email messages uh, when I'm sending it. Your peers have given similar feedback. And the only way that communication happens with you if, is when meetings are booked. And that is creating a lot of overhead because some of these don't need to be meetings, they can be easily addressed via Slack or email in much little time, much less time, and even asynchronously. So you start with, I noticed the impact, which was this is the overhead it's causing, um, not to mention the lack of com communication is causing delays in work. So if you have examples of those, you can talk about that. And try to talk about your perspective more uh, rather than speaking on other people's behalf. So this way you're not like being another person's uh, speaker horn or whatever that is called. And then, what are your thoughts on this? I noticed this. Here's the impact. What are your thoughts on this? Am I missing something? Do you prefer face-to-face -face or meetings or email or Slack? Is there a middle ground we can reach here? How can we minimize the impact and still try to cater to some of your communication style? And just try to have them open up, have them share in that common pool of knowledge between the two of you and see what happens, see what they say. And if, you, if I might ask one more example. Yeah. Um, if the person does respond, mm. but they don't follow through on it. Mm -hmm. So they do say, they acknowledge that they've received the notice and that they know what to do, mm -hmm. but then they don't end up doing it. Mm -hmm. And if it happens over and over again, how do you communicate that? That's a good question. And actually, I should have mentioned that before, is talk about the severity of the impact. Because some things are not really that severe, like, hey, you didn't respond to my message. But the other thing, like, hey, this is a repeating occurrence, um, in which case, if this repeats forward, then this could impact your performance in the next cycle, which could impact um, your future at this company if it continues for even further cycles. So depending on the severity of what, how severe you think it is, you have to communicate that very clearly and make it explicit. So in this case, use a similar format, I noticed, and here we're going to do a little bit of role play to get you practice. So what would you say? Like, what is the behavior that you've noticed? I noticed blank. What would you, how, you, how would you fill it? I've noticed that you haven't consistently followed through on all the action items that have been laid out, although you acknowledged that those action items were something that you were aware of. And the impact was that I was under the impression that those action items were taken care of or being addressed, but they weren't. 
go further with the impact. Like, what is the impact on you? What is the impact on the team? What is the impact on work? What happens when he or she doesn't do the action items? Well, it depends on the what kind of action item it was. Like, it was broad range of different action items. But in one case, if a client was in the dark of what was happening with the request. Mm-hmm. Um, because we didn't respond on time. So did that client escalate to you? Yes. Okay. And how did that impact the relationship with the client? Does it impact the credibility? Does it impact the client's trust in your team to deliver? No, I mean, I was able to handle it, but it just came, it became an escalation for it to be handled mm-hmm. when it shouldn't have been an escalation, mm-hmm. when there was no major impact. Yeah. So do you want to take a crack at doing the impact or do you want me to take a crack? Yeah, if you could help me. Yeah. So the impact was that the client escalated to me. And though I can handle it, it still looks bad from a credibility perspective and a trust perspective if a client has to escalate to me. They should be, they are working with the team and there's a certain level of professionalism that I'm expecting here from all of you to follow through on. If you don't follow through, it's breaking that trust with the client, which could impact our future relationship with the client, which could impact the future um, profits or revenue. Yeah, and that's very helpful. Cool. I'm going to use this for sure. <laughs> well, it is being recorded, yeah, so yeah. you can try. <laughs> that's awesome. And then, again, I would open it up. Like, okay, so we talked about the, the behavior that I noticed. Here's the impact it's having. How do you feel about this? What do you think may be causing you to not follow through on the action items? Is there something I'm missing in this story? That helps them put something in the middle, which is a common pool of knowledge uh, that I've uh, talked about. But it also depends on how deep you want to go into it and how, how many of these conversations you've had before. Because at some times, at some point, it's just that severe that you just have to address it. Then in some case, it becomes a directive. Like, I need you to do this. Otherwise, we're going to lose this client. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. And then depending on, again, the severity, you can talk about, hey, this might impact your future performance. And if this has happened for maybe two cycles of performance, then it's like, we may need to discuss a performance improvement plan. Yeah. Or we will have to discuss a performance improvement plan. Makes sense. Yes, my next question is, how do you approach setting goals for your employees? And so generally we do that through the self-assessment document too. That they, mm-hmm. We ask their goals, like what they feel that their goals should be for the next year. Mm-hmm. But what if, if their goals are different than the ones that you had in mind? Yeah. And what you, yeah, like what the company had in mind too for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, how do you set goals? And then second, if there are discrepancies between goals, how do you address them? I think I talked about some of this in my goal setting video, Um, but basically I love that you guys are asking, what are your goals, right? So the employee takes the first crack. Uh, Ideally, this is a joint process where that Venn diagram shows that it's a win-win situation where we're taking their goals, our goals as a manager, which comes from company and strategy and mission and marrying the two. What is, I guess, a proper process of setting goals? You talked about looking at employees' goals and then looking at what company's strategy and vision is and 
or company expects that person to do deliver and do marrying the two together so that kind of helped you know um respond to that question a little bit i guess the second part of my question was what if, if their the goals that they have set for themselves are different than what the role demands of them mm. uh in this case let's use this as an example like are you saying they're setting goals for a lower level role than they're currently at or no they're setting goals for a different level role okay then what is expected of of this role because I, the role has evolved over time i see because the company has evolved yeah but they're still stuck in that old mindset i see but the role itself has evolved hmm. so the responsibilities have evolved. so i understand so they're not looking at the current uh the new role expectations they're still stuck on their old role expectations i would talk about as the company has evolved this is what are the expectations get into specifics if you can give examples like at this role for this title for this level or whatever like we're expecting these specific things from you um you can give examples there if possible and then depending on the person whether they're they love talking in like brainstorming out loud or if they're an internal processor you may need to just share the expectations and they say let's come back to this in the next meeting and it could be like in a day uh or if in the meeting you want to brainstorm you can say these are the role expectations based on this what goals do you think you should be working on and you can either tell me now or we can talk about it next time but if they're like hey let's talk about it now then we can you can say like okay cool take a few minutes to think about it tell me what you think and then i'm going to share my perspective and then we're going to try to marry those two but these are the base level expectations that are expected of you at this role and this is what you're going to be evaluated on in this upcoming cycle makes sense did that help yes okay yeah how do you address conflicts and or discrepancy between what they have evaluated themselves mm. as their performance evaluation so mm-hmm. there is a ranking yeah. you could say i've met expectation or i went beyond my expectations mm. um what if there is a discrepancy there where the employee feels that they went beyond the expected role Mm-hmm. or the the expectations that we had for the role versus you believe that they met the expectations so it's not bad right but given the the difference like it could be taken taken as as a, as a bad sign yeah i think the first thing there is coming back to the role expectations they may not understand what's actually the baseline expectations so if they think like you're talking about like the older expectations they're looking at that level you're looking at the new one but now as the company has evolved everything has the tide has gone up so to speak so they're not looking at this is what I actually expected of them so clarifying those role expectations really help and actually i've noticed in multiple teams companies actually the problem is leadership hasn't clarified what those expectations are and sometimes that's my fault as a manager sometimes it's like as a company we don't know what the expectations are or because we're growing so quickly we're still trying to figure those out and i've just been honest in those cases like hey as we scale as the company we're figuring out the role expectations too so we're going to do this together but for this level these are the role expectations and the alignment that what i believe and what leadership believes is that you are meeting expectations in this case well if the company's culture is that mid managers have been all people pleasers <laughs> so you employ pleasers too yeah. so they have consistently gotten 
exceeded expectations. expectations. Yeah. And now that because of restructuring, they're expecting that they would again get exceeded expectations. Mm -hmm. So the main question I had was, should I change my performance review? Because that's what they've consistently gotten in past, even mm -hmm. though they've stayed at the same role, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. It's just that you build better relationships with the employee versus yeah. is it worth it that I be honest, but then I work, you know, but then I take that risk of um, having that friction between the two of us. Yeah, this is easy for me to say because I'm disconnected. Of course, it's way harder in this situation. I think about it from an employee perspective. If my manager was trying to please me versus telling me the truth, I would tell them to tell me the truth. And maybe that's a question you can ask is like, or you can say, actually state explicitly, like, you know, I could give you exceeded, exceeds expectations to make you happy, but I feel I'll be doing a disservice to you because I'm not being honest about where you actually are. Um, and the reason for that is because eventually uh, you may go into another team with another manager or, you know, here we're going to do as our best to help you grow. And eventually you may go to another company. So you may continue believing you're exceeding expectations, but then they might tell you you're meeting expectations. And you may tell yourself, like, why didn't someone tell me earlier? So I know this is a hard pill to swallow, but I want to be truthful to you and honest with you of where you stand. And we can fix it right now. So you could be exceeding expectations the next cycle, which is six months or a year from now. So I'm not, it's just this one cycle we're being very clear about where you stand. And actually, this is giving you data on how you can improve. And then you can accelerate. And then you may thank me, but maybe right now you don't like me. But I hope you'll thank me in the future that I'm honest with you. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that. Thanks. Uh, well, thank you for coming on the podcast yeah, and asking me some really hard questions that I had to think about. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully, you found it helpful. So. Very yeah. Awesome. All right.